Sounds weird, but uh, for a few years now, I've avoided going down the uh, baby food aisle in the supermarket, so I suppose I have a vision one day uh, I've been able to go down that aisle. I never think about that. You couldn't allow yourself to. You know, I, I don't, I can't visualise it, because we're as near to having a child as we could have been seven years ago. We could be nearly there, or we mightn't be there at all, so you can't, I just shut it off, to be honest. This is Rachel and her husband Daniel, a couple in their late 30s. Rachel runs a shop and Daniel is a civil servant. Yes, They live in Dublin with their two cats. Hi, Ian. How are you? They met in 2004 at a friend's 30th. My first impressions were nice smile, nice face. Yeah, she's a good smile, good giggle. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, she's a very good giggler. And she was very chatty, as you can tell. She's very, very chatty, very natural, great fun to be around. They were married in 2007. Hi, Rachel. I met Rachel through a mutual friend a few years ago. And she told me about their struggles to start a family. At an early age, Rachel discovered that she would never be able to have children. I had went through the menopause when I was 17. I have really have no eggs, you know, I had no, at that stage I had none, so that was it. I was very premature when I was a baby, I was born, I was very, very small and very sick. And I think maybe I didn't develop properly. But I don't know, that's only surmising, I don't know really. Rachel and Daniel tried to adopt for years. You don't mind being asked all the questions and being put through your paces if you thought there was something at the end. Regulations have tightened in recent years, making it extremely difficult for Irish people to adopt. After giving up on adoption, Rachel and Daniel tried IVF using a donor egg. But that didn't work either. It was just absolutely devastating. Personally, at the time, I didn't handle it well at all. I think it was retreated into myself. It was just absolutely floored. How could this, how could this have not worked? And I certainly took pride in the fact that Rachel really put herself on the line. I admired her for that, and that's what kind of got me back into thinking. Out of the slump I was definitely in. I suppose having gone through all the, the trials and tribulations, uh, trying to have a child, it's really brought us closer together as a couple. At times it's been very hard, but we both, I think we both we managed to be a great support for each other, and it's definitely strength uh, in adversity. At least we can still have a laugh and have some fun in the middle of all the drama. It's May 2013... All other options have been exhausted and Rachel and Daniel have decided to go down the route of surrogacy. When we started to look at surrogacy on the internet, I was personally unconvinced. I thought it was quite clinical and quite money-grabbing. It seemed quite almost bizarre and I couldn't get my head into it at all. I thought it was very mercenary-like, to be honest. But this is a process that's been ongoing in the States for 20-odd years. It's it's quite organised and that kind of got me thinking, well, it's actually quite clean and clear as to how it works, as to who is entitled to what, as to what our requirements are. And that's really what, what brought me around. If I was fertile and I was able to have my own child and I chose this path instead, well then maybe you could you could have a point to debate it going like why would you why would you mess with nature? But if somebody's physically not able to do something, it's like if somebody's physically not able to walk, why would you not give them prosthetic legs? 
it always spoke to me. I don't know. It always made sense to me. You picked the egg. You picked the carrier. You picked the clinic. You got to pick how and when it worked to a certain to a certain degree. After much research, Rachel and Daniel looked to an organisation in America and were matched with 37-year-old mother of three, Carolyn. I had a close friend that went through IVF and had a very difficult time, and that's when it came up about five years ago that we talked about it, and she was able to go on and do her own IVF successfully with egg donors. Then I have three kids that are pretty much the centre of my life, and I can't imagine what I'd do without them, or if I couldn't have children, what I would do. Carolyn won't have a genetic link to the baby, but she'll carry it for the duration of the pregnancy. I'm healthy, I'm young, I've had great pregnancies, and I wanted to be able to help somebody that couldn't have a baby. I looked at three couples. I think it was even just the first conversation with them. Um, I felt at ease or that it fit. I mean, I guess it's like dating. You know, you meet somebody and you just feel like it's a fit. Surrogacy doesn't come cheap, so Rachel had to sell her apartment to fund the process. All in an estimated $100,000, I suppose, so it would be about 80000 This will give them three attempts to have a successful pregnancy. Everyone is getting a slice of the pie. There's different fees for different solicitors, for clinics, for social workers. There's travel for people, there's clothes allowances. The surrogate becomes pregnant with twins. That's more money straight away. The money that you pay for this is going to be spent on over the years on a mortgage or a holiday or towards your work or towards a new car. And it's 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 money well spent, in our opinion. It wouldn't be everybody's opinion, but in our for us, it's money well spent. As adoption becomes increasingly difficult, more and more people are turning to surrogacy. But should you be able to hire a womb? There have been concerns in the media that commercial surrogacy exploits desperate women often in very poor countries. Because you're talking about the rights of children and the rights of women, and the rights of women to be seen as more as incubators, I think we really need to go down the route of actually banning it. But I actually feel that companies are exploiting the pain of infertile couples. One of the things people think about surrogacy, and surrogates in particular, these women are very, you know, really need the money badly, they don't work, particular social status and that there's a certain kind of exploitation kind of feel. But one of the things that struck us from the start with Carolyn and her husband, they're very middle class. I'm educated. I come, you know, I have a family. We're comfortable. This is a choice. This is a, a, a decision to help somebody that can't have a baby. We just can't believe that somebody is going to do this with us and help us this way. It's kind of transcending the money. It's not about the money anymore. We have a bond with her now that it's she's as determined to help us have a family as we are. And that's a lovely thing that you kind of, you can't pay anybody enough money to want to do that. Carolyn will have no biological link to the baby. The egg will come from a different woman. Mid to late 20s. She's pretty. Rachel and Daniel are looking at egg donor profiles online. She's pretty, but she's not... Yeah, I think I think she's it's a, she's she has an Irishness about her. Does that kind of yeah? Well, I don't really care background. about that, but I don't care about the Irish thing. But I just think well, I don't. But I just think she's just nice looking. I mean, you know, look, she's nice. She's nicer looking than me. That's good. 
Well, again, see, this is where you get into entertaining your territory. <laughs> like, I mean, like she is, she is an attractive-looking girl. She's pretty. What are you proud of? Your son. What do you value the most? Your son and your family. That's look. What what is there more important in your life than your family? So I mean, if you're proud of them and you value them, that's the most important trait. She is athletic. Yeah, I'm not. That's okay. But she was a cheerleader. Me too. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's in the next your future goals and aspirations. Maybe you want to become a cheerleader. Uh, good luck with that. Um, her goal is to become more successful in life a lot of people I've noticed look at their school records or their college records or how far they've got in their education a lot of people obviously want to have a smart kid I'm not that bothered (laughs) to be honest no do you know I mean I suppose for me personally it's personality and health so this is the other profile so this girl is 29, she's a place of birth in Russia, she's blonde, she's blue eyed, she's five eight, eight, quite tall, quite tall. Now what do you think, which would you prefer? I think we'd, she seemed... this other girl is, is admirable, but uh, very ambitious, a high flyer it would seem, I feel closer to the other girl, just as regards how she comes across, she seems more down to earth. While the baby will be Daniel's biological child, it's a little bit more complicated for Rachel, as she won't have a genetic link. I had no prerequisite, only that I wanted somebody with the same colour eyes as me. It was the one thing that was going to be, remind me of me, because there's nothing of me. By the end of it, you're going, look at the picture, and then you skip all the way down through to the end, which is a grid of a whole, like maybe 50 different types of illnesses, And you just find the one that doesn't have too many X's. And that's the one you pick. It's April 2013 and everything is ready to go. They have their egg donor, their surrogate mother. They make the trip to America for the first attempt at pregnancy. But a few weeks later, they find out that it has failed. Hi. Hi, Hi, Carolyn. Daniel and Rachel here. How are you? How are you guys this morning? Carolyn is not pregnant. Sometimes it just takes a few goes for your body to adjust, maybe, to, you know, it's a different thing for your body as well, you know? Yeah. Are yeah. you okay? Are you okay, Carolyn? I don't want to fail you, you know that? Oh, you haven't. Oh, Carolyn, no. No, please, Carolyn, you haven't failed us at all, you know? I mean, this has been, this, it's a medical process, and reasons beyond, you know, mine or yours or anyone else's. These things can happen. No, it is. It, it's, it's very tough on you because, yeah, you know, yeah, you've, this is the first time for you ever to do something like this. And look, we totally understand. Yeah, we understand. And like, we're all disappointed. But look, you know what? Look, we're nobody died. We're going to be fine. Yeah. We're going to pick ourselves yeah, up. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah. that's it. We have to just be positive. And, you, you know, you've been so positive I, and you have to keep doing that. See, you know, I mean, I want this for you. So don't even worry about, don't even think about me. You know, we'll just think about... What we'll get it next, no, but of course we think about you because I mean in fairness as I said to you the other day like you know it's we're not being dramatic but we're used to this you're not and it is yeah, hard when it's the first time yeah. you know I mean yeah. we, we bounce back quicker you know what I mean because we're used to we're it used, sadly we're used to it so look and then we'll talk to you Monday evening yeah. I'm okay. sure we'll, we'll see how things are okay alright guys okay Carolyn right, take care take care bye 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 So, that's that. 
Right. Okay. Well, that's it then. That's it. That's the end of that. So. They still have two attempts left, but Rachel and Daniel are trying to deal with the disappointment before they try again. We would have had Skypes with the main doctor over there and he's assured us that this will work. Yeah, well, I mean, they, I, no offence. For me, they say that every time. They have to say that. It's been a very emotional, horrible week, you know, and realistically, I'd nearly say I'd never want to do it again, but... We don't have a choice. Uh, we have to do it again. Uh, we've two more goals left and we are hoping, you know, I suppose that, uh, please God, it'll work the next time. You know, a lot of my friends are on their third child by now, third or fourth, you know, and it is very, you know, it is hard to be the only one and to be the only one who has to stay positive. Rachel and Daniel have travelled back to America to see Carolyn, her husband Jim, and their children. I mean, I guess my fear is not being able to get pregnant. I mean, that's my fear. So I hope it's not realised that we've had, you know, trouble the first round. So, I mean, that's my fear. It's just not being able to deliver this to you. The anxiety, the emotional roller coaster, the waiting, the hoping, mm. it's draining on mm. all of us. And it, it sucks, you know? Yeah. Well, for me... Oh, yeah, the, the sell of the sequel. <laughs> that's that's a, recorded. I know. That's true, though. It's the truth. Um, I guess if there's that's anything not, that would be hardest, that would be the hardest. That's the hardest part. But other than that, not really, <laughs> not much. Just seeing, it's been tough seeing um, the last one didn't work with Caroline. That was tough, but other than that, nothing. I think it's not my child. I mean, it's your child. So I uh, certainly will be sad and f feel connected, but it's, I'm really just the hotel. I'm really just <laughs> keeping it safe and warm, yeah. you know, like taking care of it. So I'll be happy to give it, you know, to hand over that child. I'll be happy. It's August and back home in Ireland, Rachel and Daniel have been celebrating Rachel's birthday and waiting for news from America. We were really edgy all day when you're waiting on a phone call like that. We were having our dinner and having my glass of Prosecco. Eventually the call came through about eight. I went outside to take it and the doctor just said straight out, he just had to tell you it hasn't worked. It was such a shock, I didn't know what to say to him. We must have looked like nutters. We got up and we left. We stood outside the restaurant, bawling, crying. As soon as I rang your mum, I just, I just lost it all together, crying, crying. We have built up a lot of hope. It's hard to kind of keep a lid in an emotion like that. You kind of say you're going to be level-headed, but deep down you're thinking, this could be it. And if it was, the baby would we, we'll be due in April, I think we'd, we said so. I spoke briefly to Carolyn, and she was borderline hysterical. We were all very, very raw, very wounded. And then she felt guilty because she was upset and it wasn't her, you know, it was just, it's a mess. It's very hard to know how to deal with her because you're trying to deal with yourself and then you're trying to deal with her. You know, I suppose you have to realise that she's never had a miscarriage, she's never had any fertility issues. This is, was a huge shock to her. I just come through bereavements that haven't felt as bad as, as that. It was absolutely crushing. If the next attempt doesn't work, then we're into possibly unknown territory. Maybe this is it, maybe it's just not going to be possible to have a child. You know, I mean, life is 
is not fair and you don't always get what you want and you know you, you try every option but plenty of people want things it doesn't mean they're going to get them you have to start to realize that maybe this is not going to happen and to try and you know it's it's the elephant in the room that certainly I don't ever want to think about but now this time it has really faced me up to it to say well Rachel you know maybe you're not going to have a child what are you going to do how are you going to cope with that how would you be that person that doesn't have the child how would you be now after all these years of doing everything you can to try and get one four months later it's november 2013 and rachel and daniel have just one more chance to get carolyn pregnant our, our hope was on life support for quite a while and it took quite a passion and it's taken a while to get back Get your head back into it. The finality of it, I think, is what's frightening me. Because this is really the last chance saloon now. We never thought we'd have to do this. With the third time, what do you do? You have to have a cut-off. You have to go on with your life. You have to find a way to move on. And that's the part that's frightening me. I'm afraid of my reaction. I'm afraid of how I'm going to feel. And how do you think you might feel? I'm afraid I'll lose it. I'm just afraid I'll lose the whole plot now, to be honest with you. That's what I'm afraid of. This time out, the result will be due on Christmas Eve. So, I mean, it has the potential just to uh, knock Christmas out of the ballpark if it's negative. This time, like, we've, we don't really have much hope. It's a case of, look, we've done the best we can. If it works, it works. To be honest, I think we're just going through the motions. I will be more shocked for it to work than for it not. It's Christmas Eve and I've come to see Rachel and Daniel. And the mood in their house is very different. How are you? How are you doing? How are you going? Shocked. Happy Christmas. Yeah, very much so. Oh, stop. Very much so, yeah. They've got the best Christmas present they could have hoped for. Today was just... was just unreal. I mean, when I got the call, the first thing I said was, how sure are you? I said to the nurse, she goes, yeah, she's very pregnant. So once you hear that, you're kind of like, wow, that's, that's pretty good, <laughs> you know. How do you feel? I feel like getting sick. I just, I mean, I, yeah, I just, yeah, I actually feel like getting sick. <laughs> Sorry, that's how I, yeah. I actually feel like puking and my head feels dizzy and I feel weird and I feel like crying. Mm, I'll try but not, and I don't know, yeah. I can't stop talking and I feel really weird. It's pretty abstract, nearly, yeah. um, which is kind of weird, yeah. isn't it? It's very detached or something. Yeah. It's like as if you're talking about somebody else. I think we've just been conditioned to accept bad news. I mean, yeah. this is the first real good news we've had, and I don't know how long. OK, so do you know how to calculate the whole pregnancy business? No. No. So you go 21st, so you go 1. We do the sums, and it turns out that the baby could be arriving just after Rachel's 40th birthday. Two seventy eight to nine forty. So the 28th of August. <laughs> when is your birthday? The 20th. 20th. So it could really okay, be. Okay, well, I'll just, be, I'll, just, I'll just still say I'm 39. Oh, no, but you <laughs> could easily come early. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could encourage it. <laughs> That's so important to me. I really need to get my priorities straight. <laughs> Do you know, Rachel? That's the first time I have seen tears in your eyes in the whole process. 
Yeah. Nothing has started to change. I think. I feel like I've kind of gone a bit mad, actually. I think I've lost my mind, actually. It'd be great. I know we're finishing our Christmas cards. It'd be great to to book maybe next year instead of just from Daniel and Rachel to from Daniel and Rachel and other <laughs> question mark. Yeah. <laughs> next year. Yeah. Maybe. Be nice. It would. Hard to imagine. Three months into the pregnancy, and Rachel and Daniel are having difficulty getting updates from Carolyn. Kind of weird in that we still, at this stage, have not seen a scan, have not seen anything. It's all uncharted territory, so you don't know how you're going to feel. And I suppose the things that you think are going to be okay and the things you think are going to bother you don't, and the things that you never think would bother you do. When we started this journey with Carolyn we were told that we had to contact her every week to bond to form a bond with her so we did that we started off by skyping her um the skype didn't seem she didn't seem to work in that sometimes her computer was broken the children were running around it just it seemed and maybe that was just our impression but it seemed inconvenient for her probably her communication has lessened we're not really sure why I think I'm just taking it, I'm taking it on the chain that she's busy. The surrogacy process is presenting some unexpected challenges. We went to Dundrum and we saw, you know, a baby shop, like a one that sold like prams and stuff. So we went in and both of us had a panic attack and we had to leave. We just saw these people with bumps and we're like, we just feel like frauds. It's weird, it's really weird. We just feel fake. People are like, oh, you must be so excited. And you're like, yeah, but you know, I'm I'm not. I'm, I feel like I'm smiling superficially. I'm not excited. I'm kind of, I, I'm like, I'm numb still about the whole thing. And I really wish I wasn't. I, I find it very hard to connect or attach or bond with this whole thing. Because it's just, you're bonding with thin air. You're bonding with something that you've never seen. And I do worry, I suppose, I worried myself about me and my part in it. I do, because I am very much the third wheel in the whole thing. And it is kind of hard. I try not to think about it, but it does make me kind of feel a little bit on the outside at times with it. Look, love is bonding and I have we have love, so plenty of it to give. So that's not really, I hope, I'm sure maybe it's not as simplistic as that, but that's the way I see it. Things pick up for Rachel and Daniel in April when they travel to Boston to go to the 20-week scan with Carolyn. It's so exciting. They saw their baby on the screen. You know, I mean, moving, heart beating, bones waving to them. I mean, so it's incredible. Today definitely is the best moment. Definitely is the best moment I think we've ever experienced. It's It's been nearly 10 years of setbacks, and today has just been the first day of a whole new life for us. I felt very emotional in it. I was crying. I started crying, which I was shocked that I did, but I did. A photo there of the feet uh, and the hands being held up there. Um, arms. We were kind of waiting and waiting for the kind of big, the big reveal. And uh, she kept us waiting for a while. She, just the brain, just the head. And, and then she said to us, do you want to know? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then uh, 
she kind of does a little pause, wasn't there? She probably does that on purpose, I'd say, just to prolong the agony just a bit. And she goes, it's a girl. Like, ah. So Rachel kept crying. I think at that stage, I had a little tear too. Uh, Carolyn was very emotional too. She was, I think she's really happy that we were there sharing uh, this. She really seemed to enjoy it too. And I think she said for the first time she felt the baby kick as well. I finally feel I can let some of that release a bit of that tension and that kind of anxiety out. I got a big gush of love for Carolyn, for both for her and for the baby. And I think it made me realise how much she has done for us. It's happy for me. I mean, it, it's, it is slightly emotional, but it's more exciting to me than anything. I'm so happy for them. I, I can't imagine how wonderful it is after so many years of trying to have a baby to see your baby. Now I'm visibly pregnant and I have to tell acquaintances and people and that I wouldn't have thought of and it's and everyone's surprisingly positive and and I get a good reaction. I think my only regret is that we're so far apart that I can't drive over and see the baby grow because I'll miss that a lot. So I hope that we get to you know, we have a lot of videos and Skype and that kind of communication but I really I'll be sad to not get to see you know, to not get to see the child grow up. So I, I hope that I'm a part of their family forever and because they're a part of mine now. Back home, Rachel meets her girlfriends to tell them the big news. Daniel and Rachel can finally go shopping for their baby girl. Yeah, I know it's a bit premature now, but I know. The couple have a lot to figure out. This is completely new territory for them. We need baby girls. Baby girls, yeah, we do, yeah. I think. Okay. Something to do with the romper suit, but I don't know what that is. I just need to well, ask you. I just wanted you, to know what the body suit What's the yeah. difference between a sleep suit and a baby girl? And what well, a sleep suit and a baby girl would be the same. It's just two different names. Right. So a baby okay. girl would have legs, where a body suit would have no legs, be like a baby suit, like a vest. Okay. A, body grow, a baby grow. It's going to be August in Boston, so it's going to be very, very hot be, uh, and very humid free, yeah. as well. Oh, Daniel, there's one with cats. We like that. A cat and a star. Nice, aren't they? So would you prefer those ones? Yeah, I think they're cute, aren't they? Okay, will we get them? And they still have the text in. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We get those, yeah. Cool. Rachel's friends have a baby shower for her. But unlike most mothers-to-be, Rachel doesn't need to worry about having a couple of glasses of wine. Cheers, Thank you. Very Thank you. Now, I know I'm very superstitious, as you know. So I have loads of dresses. I'm not giving you anything until I actually see this little person being. With only a few weeks until the baby's arrival, Rachel's working in the shop. Hi, hello there. How are you? Hey, stranger. And any crack with you? So, well, the only crack is we are having a baby in a couple of weeks. No way. Oh, congratulations. So we'll see how we get on in America. Oh, okay. The surrogate. Wow. So, yeah, so we're waiting to hear when to go over to her. nerve-wracking stuff, is it? Yeah. (laughs) They're going to induce her, but the doctor wouldn't be overly communicative. Oh, right. No, he's not particularly good at telling us what's going on, and she's not very good at telling us what's going on, so we don't really know anything. Oh, Rachel, so, that's pretty tough, I'd say. Uh, they're devils, like... Um, well, has the anyway. whole surrogacy experience been, yeah. or if I'm asking too much, just... It's been interesting, but it's been... It's tough, like, but You're it's... Feeling it's August, and it's time to pack for Boston. Come on. Facing upwards. 
Your yeah. right hand. Rachel and Daniel are trying to figure out how to fold a portable cot with the help of YouTube. Well, look at the video again. She no, brought it in in half. See what I mean? Just look at the video now, we're all just going to break this. No, don't touch it here. Look, you look at the video here. Now, do we need to bring this? This is a this is a towel for to put them when you wash them. There we go. We're done. I think we're packed. Oh, God. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you're all very welcome to Boston. The local time is just after a quarter past six. Will your safety please remain seated with your seatbelt on? Now they just have to wait for their baby to arrive. Okay, well, today is the 14th of August and we just found out yesterday that, that uh, Carolyn is going to be induced today. We went out for something to eat and to a glass of wine and uh, came home and kind of slept on and off, but we're up early now. It's um, 8 o'clock now. We've been up probably for the last hour. Very kind of apprehensive, nervous. Don't know how the day is going to go. Don't know what's going to happen. Later that day, Carolyn goes into labour. It's now quarter past two uh, on Thursday afternoon and we're just in a room beside Carolyn. She's about to have an epidural. We don't think there's too much longer to go. So everyone's just really tense at the moment. The nurses have been really nice here. But I think things are just starting to step up a bit now. So hopefully the next hour or two. Rachel and Daniel are there in the room to support Carolyn as she gives birth to their baby daughter. Hold it and push. And then, at around a quarter to five... Baby Zoe is given to Rachel and Daniel. But it's a strange situation, particularly when Carolyn's own son comes into the hospital to meet the new arrival. The aftermath was was hard because everybody was worried about each other, but nobody really knew how to deal with it. I suppose I worried more about Carolyn, really. And the little boy, in fairness now, he's, what is he, seven, I think. But he was so confused. He was like, but mom, you're in this room. And then where does Zoe go? Why doesn't she sleep with you? And Carolyn was trying to explain. And he was like, but she came out of your tummy. She didn't come out. Of, and I, he was struggling with it. And it was just really awkward because we were all kind of going, 
shut up <laughs> you know in our while i was in my head going oh. and carolyn was like no no she has to go back with her mommy the next morning you just knew by her demeanor she was she was very kind of i don't know she was just it was just you just knew it was hard to explain when she held her she held her that little bit too tight for that little bit too long you know, you just knew that she was struggling. You could see it. I suppose it, it upset me in an equal measure. It kind of made me cross. Because I was going like, I'm worrying about Carolyn. I should be worrying about Zoe. I should be worrying about us as a, as a family now. And I don't really have the energy to be worrying about her feelings. Because she wouldn't tell you. She'd never tell you how she felt. On the Friday morning, then she held, she held her for... I'd say she held her for a good hour. Like, and she just wouldn't give her back nearly. She was just... And you knew she was, there was obviously pain there. Surrogacy is an extremely complicated legal process. So this is um, our apartment on Commonwealth Avenue. We have a nice park across the road. Here you go. Rachel, Daniel and Zoe have to stay in Boston for a few weeks to sort out the paperwork. We have to give her a bath today. That's our plan. But I don't know. She's not in good form. We mightn't. We don't know. The nurse did show us how to do it. And it looks very scary. We're just terrified of crying. And the crying that freaks you out the most. They're in a strange city with no family. And it's a steep learning curve. The first night was very rough because we'd nothing kind of a, a planned. And there's just a big panic and you're bumping into each other. And you're fighting <laughs> with each other. And then at one stage, was it the second night, she didn't sleep and she was crying. And we were crying and it was just a disaster. And there was poo everywhere and everything and both of us were on our phones and I looked at Daniel he was with me and the two of us were looking up like nannies in Boston <laughs> both at the same time we kind of thinking, maybe, maybe you know outsource like, <laughs> like night nanny people everything looks worse at three in the morning yeah, it does, you know right. a cry is like geez let's get an ambulance it's amazing because it's a wonderful thing and it's a thing we never thought would happen but yet it's kind of brought a whole new set of issues what if I don't like her what if she doesn't like me what if I don't if I don't bond or I don't feel any big oh my god I love her so much you know and you, you hear all these things the minute I looked into their eyes and you love them and all this and to be honest with you like that's you know I mean she's a, a lovely little child she's great but you know it's going to take a while to be for me I think to build a relationship with her I mean you feel protective of her because she's such a tiny little person but you know it's very hard to I think, you know, you're not... Uh, you, you can't flick a switch. You can't flick a switch because, I mean, it's it's a very unnatural situation that we're in. There's a lot of paperwork still pending. I think when we get home, we can really settle back then. They have been advised not to go to the Irish Embassy in Boston. Because surrogacy is a grey area, they could ask questions as regards, well, how did the child come around? They may... I don't know whether they, they could refuse a passport... But why would you rattle the cage? Instead, they're getting an American passport for Zoe so they can bring her home to Ireland. When we get into Dublin, there'll be two Irish passports, one American passport. I would be shocked if they refused entry to what's technically an American citizen. Zoe's now three weeks old and the new family have just landed in Dublin Airport where a welcoming party of family and friends are waiting including Daniel's mother, Dolores. The minute I heard about the baby, I said, I'm going to be at that airport with balloons. So, had to follow through. Yeah. Is that him? There he is, there he yeah. is. Yeah, there he is. God, he's gone grayer. Go. Go on, Granny. Go, granny Go get him. Go to it. 
Oh, she's gorgeous, isn't she? Look at her. Look at the big mop on her. That's my godchild. Look at the size of her. God, don't you forget, don't you? Yeah, yeah. She's been she always. Isn't she beautiful? Ah, you're a lovely baby. Ah, look, the eyes open. It's Christmas 2014, and Rachel and Daniel can finally add another name to their Christmas cards. Baby Zoe. Look, isn't that nice? My first Christmas. Isn't that wow, nice? Wow, We got that as a present. It's hand painted. Wow, well, isn't it? This will be our first, only, this is our first Christmas tree ever. Real family Christmas. Our first proper family. family Christmas. Baby's first Christmas. This is from my mum to my beautiful Zoe. Happy first Christmas. Lots of love, Granny. Hi, Tony. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't feel I bonded with her properly until she was about three months. Daniel was definitely much quicker, I think, in that regard. I was very, I think, I paranoid, but that's my problem because I kind of feel sometimes I'd see her and she'd be looking at Daniel, she'd smile at Daniel, she wouldn't smile at me. And I have this, I suppose, in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, does she know I'm not really her mother? Whereas I think instantly she smiled at Daniel because... I was like, oh, she recognises him and she doesn't really, you know, in herself because they look so similar. And then she's looking at me going, who's this? Who's your one? Like, you know, and I think it's it's taken me a long time to build up the confidence to not feel it. And it does happen every now and again. It could happen once in, in a week, every week. I get this twang of panic. Oh, my God, she's, she doesn't recognise me. Or she, but I think, I think that's an issue. That's obviously my issue. It's an issue I'm going to have to get over. Carolyn chose not to be interviewed after the birth, but is in regular email contact with Rachel and Daniel to hear about Zoe's progress. Surrogacy has been a long road. It's been more than two years to get to this point, but Rachel and Daniel have no regrets. It's, it's difficult, it's long, it's expensive, but you know what, it's it's modern solution to a problem that people like us who had no other option. It was a tough process, but I, I certainly, I'd recommend it to anybody. It's not for everybody, and I can I can see that. It's not for everybody, but I think it depends on your perspective. Now that she's she's gotten older and she's seven months old, you can see her personality coming out, so you, you kind of get a reward in a way for all the, the hard work you put in the early days because you can... She's starting to talk and she's smiling and she interacts with people really well. So you kind of look back and go, well, you, you sowed the seeds earlier on, all the hard work. So kind of bonding, it do, yeah, it does take a while. It, it's hard work initially, uh, but I think the reward starts to come through now. And I think that's where you can really see the bond coming through. How is Zoe today? Zoe is very happy, contented, smiley, giggly little girl. And she's, you know, very placid, very friendly. She loves people. She's very nosy, like me. And she likes to stick her tongue out a lot at everybody. Hi, Zoe. 
Chucky. Oh. <laughs> well, there's your friend. Look. And 